Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I am H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn. On the West Coast is my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Good morning. Hello. And today, we'll be talking about uh, recapping, summarizing the next couple episodes of Black Summer Season 2, Episode 5 and 6, um, and that's White Horse and Currency. But ahead of that, we have a couple of little news items to chat with you about. Um, some really exciting mo- news that we've been, you know, tracking and waiting for. But the next installment of Kingdom, um, Ashen of the North, was released on yesterday, on July 23rd. And it looks great, as Kingdom often does. So there's been a couple of related articles. Um, number one, mainly an article about um, the special effects team and the main person who directs that team. Um, just talking a little bit about the zombies makeup and the things that they have done. Um, they worked on, um, and this, the main person is, um, Wayne Hayo Kyun, and he basically runs a, like a founder of a special effects company called, uh, cell for short, but technical art studio cell. And it's basically the, if you're going to do special effects, it's South Korea's main shop and, this was just started in 2003. It's pretty cool. He's gotten to work and it's nice because South Korea has had obviously so many cool um, film projects going on. So he was on uh, Train to Busan, um, Peninsula. He also did uh, work with Parasite. So it isn't all just um, just sort of the, the you know, zombie horror special effects. Um, also, obviously, he has worked on Kingdom and the new installment. Um, and so it's kind of interesting just to chat, just he talks a little bit about his um, thought process and things that work and things that don't. Like, I guess in, in some cases, they were trying to make kind of frozen zombies and he said they just look like comical. So they had to take that out. <laughs> like they were trying to do sort of like a frostbite thing. Just interesting to hear his process. And then beyond the horror effects, just sort of things that you don't necessarily pick up. So some of the effects they did for Parasite uh, was just like to do with like fruit and th- stuff like that. Um, so um, uh, one of the funnier things or cooler things that they did was um, basically uh, there was a film and they had to do uh, animatronic horses, which um, was a pretty big deal. And that was like in 2008. And uh, it's just kind of it, like definitely take a read through the article or there's like a video that goes through it. Um, so I don't know. Did you did you happen to go through it all, Stuart? I, I watched the beginning of it and um, I just I rather enjoyed their intro where they were putting makeup on the actor uh, and then they offer her a bottle of water. And it's like, oh, yeah, she looks like a zombie. But then they're you know having a little bit of back and forth. I thought it was cute. Uh, but yeah, the dude has a crazy resume and um Ashen of the North is a movie, not a miniseries, which I kind of thought it was going to be a, a, a series. Yeah, I did too. I, I admit I was a little surprised. I just, it felt like it was going to be a series, but I guess not. Um, but I'm definitely excited to watch it. I am, I'm sort of saving it for a little bit um, for after Black Summer. Um, one of the, one of the interesting things that um, the, uh, the uh, Huang said in this, in this article was that, you know, it used to be his dream to work in Hollywood and he was kind of working to do that. But now just because of so many of the projects that are in South Korea, he's basically like, I'm fine here. And it's a premier shop that he set up and they're the go-to for all of these projects, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, they're Um, basically like the Weta workshop of South Korea, which Weta is, you know, amazing in its own right. People travel to them. He He can have the same sort of cachet where he is. 
Right. So I think that that's and, you know, the the projects that he's worked on are now looked at globally and they are I mean, they are the go to in this in this area. So it's sort of like I think I like the idea um, that this was what he was striving for. And now it's like he's just basically established himself as this premier uh, special effects team. So I think that's pretty cool. It's pretty Uh, significant, though, too, that this one dude, this one shop is responsible for so many of the zombie movies that we've looked at out of Korea. Like uh, hashtag alive is one of theirs too, which we we talked about in the last twelve months or so, and so that's like a through line for all of those zombie right. projects well, that we've watched out of Korea is his handiwork. Well, I mean, think about just sort of the the talent that must be there, and if they are the premier shop, they can attract all that talent, and they can basically say, oh, you don't have to go to Hollywood, and you can stay here, and you can work on all these incredible projects, and because they started out so early. They're, they are the name. Um, so I think that's honestly pretty incredible and awesome. So yeah, cool. looking forward to seeing the work in Ashen um, when we watch it. I definitely enjoyed it in um, the other Kingdom series. So um, and next up uh, there is the and then and they're sort of more related to the Ashen in the North. Um, another Forbes article, you know, are people at Forbes like zombies um, and just talking a little bit about the human element of Ashen in the North and the philosophy and the, the sort of messaging in that. Um, I don't want to get too much into that. So I forgive me, Stuart, but I don't want to spoil myself too much. Um, But I think it's probably more of the same as we saw in Kingdom. So I I mean, the head or like the the head for this article is humans are more evil than the zombies in Kingdom Mansion of the North. I'm like, oh, yeah, you don't you you don't say uh, because it's have you seen a zombie movie anytime? (laughs) Right. Lastly, I never read, I, I read a, maybe a couple of episodes of, or a couple of uh, of the series, the Marvel Zombies that Kirkman started out. Um, and this is, the, the last article is um, just about why, you know, the what if Marvel series isn't going to give us the real zombies. And basically the gist of it is that it was bought by D- Disney and they're afraid of being too controversial. I will say the the kirkman marvel zombie series is pretty gory and gross um it's kind of interesting because it's kirkman um but i i don't know i just think i i'm not shocked that disney doesn't have the appetite to put some of those visuals on screen so i don't know that there's much to that article that's really a surprise i don't know that it was kirkman who wrote the real marvel zombies it was mark millar right but but they're ta- they're comparing it to Kirkman's zombies. I thought. Oh, did no? he? Did he? Oh, he did. Like- oh, no, he it does say he wrote five issue Marvel zombies. Series. Right. Okay. So he basically started it out, and then they kind of took it. But I would, I would, uh, having, I can't say that I read the whole series. I did read a couple of the Kirkman epi- it, like like the Kirkman um, storylines, and it's exactly what you would hope it would be. So just saying it's kind of worth it Um, this is all about like you know what if it's going to fall short of the expectations of people who are really into this element of marvel right i i don't have any expectations i think whatever they are willing to show us in terms of zombie marvel characters i'll be pretty excited to see so right i mean but you know i as i said disney bought it you're not going to (laughs) get you're not going to get something insanely like super dark and gory but you would think yeah i mean um but anyway i i think without further ado we should start talking about the next two episodes and again this series is really 
not disappointing me. Um, I'm really enjoying watching it in this way and trying not to binge too much. I, I will admit my it's, it's continuing my same instinct, which is that immediately after the episode that I'm watching, I want to move on to the next one. I have thus far, I have thus far been very strong with my willpower. So it's, I have not. That's um, uh, laudable. Nice work. Um, I, I would say that these two really are a departure from the the exhausting, like first tension and then insane mayhem of the last two episodes we watched with White Horse. Um, I was wondering where Spears was and they are. It's weird that they're calling him Spears, but then his other identity is also really comes into play in this uh, in this episode. But like Spears is how he is known in like the subtitles and, and, and in like the recaps and in this that is his identity on this show. And that's kind of interesting since it's just the name of a soldier he murdered in season one. Right. 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 It's not his actual name. Um, and also a departure in these two episodes is the, the narrative. So we're not seeing the sort of jump jumping around a timeline in these. Yeah. So um, other than talking about past things. And so this oh, first yeah. episode, a lot of White talking, man, like talk about your departures. This is, so right. Episode five, White Horse, is a, the most dialogue I've ever, mm -hmm. I, I think, has happened in this series. Yep, absolutely. Um, and basically, this is continuing the storyline of Spears. We, we saw what was happening to him. He is, uh, just as a reminder, um, he's shot and he's definitely pretty seriously injured and just trying to survive. And he's noted that there's this weird dude following him, which is, you know, in this particular world concerning and finally confronts or the, the guy catches up with him and confronts him. And, you know, it, I have noted that the interactions between humans on this show are very strange at this point, um, which you would expect if people are in like total survival mode, don't have trust. Um, there is a level of strangeness about their interactions. And I will admit, given the sort of, COVID world that we've been living in, I feel like I can commiserate a little bit with the huh. weird interactions. Well, I would say um, this, the next, the currency episode really underlines all that weirdness. This one yeah. is weird too, but yeah, there's, there's just like a desperation to in Spears since he is like basically close to yeah. close to death. But when we run into him, he looks like garbage. And um, the dude who, who meets him, Brathwaite, who very quickly introduces himself, um, you know, gives him water right away. And it, but it does still take a lot, a while on screen of like persuasion and, uh, and talking him and talking Spears down to make him be like, all right, we're going to be okay. Well, we can, we will work together a little bit. We'll, we'll have like a, um, a tentative sort of alliance at the beginning of this episode. Right. But well, it's although, although I will say some of this is because Spears is injured and yeah. he can't really get rid of Brathwaite. But he can't really either let on that he's injured, right? Like there's right. a real, there's a real chess game going on here of like, I need your help. I cannot ask for your help. I want you to go away because I think you're just going to try and murder me. But also, and Brathwaite says it, if you die, you're going to turn into a zombie and eat me. And so like, there's, there's all of these layers uh, of it's this like, of relationship. It is a very interesting tension. Um, and you know, the other, the other part is, is like, they, he claims to know him and it's like that weird thing where it's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I know you. And oh. it, there's this level of concern. Like, I mean, Spears is just like, this guy is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, and maybe, and as we find out later, there is maybe some 
maybe he did recognize him. Breathwaite knew who he was the entire time. I'm fairly certain. I think he maybe he did. Yes. Um, Why would he have followed him otherwise? Right. I mean, yeah. Um, And Breathwaite also is played by this actor named Bashir Sylvan, who's a Haitian American, I think. Um, who's not not been in anything that I've really seen much of. He was in Chicago PD and a couple of other things. I think he is fantastic in this episode. Amazing. Yep, definitely. Um, um, and and the guy playing uh, Spears, Oive, I forget his name, but he's also he's like there's a lot of acting going on in this episode. I mean, you know, we talk about how little dialogue and how much they they show by doing, I guess, in, in on this show. And this one, they have to emote. They have to. Um, they're telling all these stories and there's so much uh, going into this that I feel like, like this is a part of the cast that we are an element of the cast that we haven't really gotten to experience. Jamie King does a lot of this too, because she's yeah. fairly verbal, um, but it's, it's a lot of mama bear. Uh, but what, what the dude, what's his name? Uh, Julius James. Julius James is his character name, but his uh, oh, Justin uh, Chu Carey. Chu Carey, right. He is really doing a lot of work here. And um, I thought it was really fun to watch. Um, and I think, you know, the other the other part of this element that I think is so interesting that we haven't seen as this is definitely a specific storyline that they're picking up from the last season, which is the idea that even the things that you did, the things that you did in the world before, do they matter? Does it matter who you are? Does it matter that he's not Spears? You know, all those kinds of things. And he's never actually been, you know, he hasn't really been confronted with any of this until now. I mean, he was in the first season too, though. Like people kept trying to arrest him, right? Right, right. But, but like he didn't, he thought I, I would imagine that it seemed pretty safe that he was away from all of that at this point. Some random dude in the woods knows him. So that's kind of got to be messed up. Um, but yeah, but what do you think? Do you think that it's like what Rose did in the past? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Doesn't really matter. Right. She was probably just a housewife or who knows. But um, this guy, he, he was actually a hitman. No, nope. he was a hitman uh, for his older brother. Which is a skill set that has come in handy, and he's had to use a lot in the in the time after. And um, you could argue you could argue that he's better equipped to survive this world for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also has this level of distrust, um, which makes sense, and uh, definitely a pretty uh, heavily developed. A set of survivor instincts. But then we go and, back to when he met Rose. He saved her life unprompted. Right. I mean, th- there was a zombie in the in that alley or wherever she was running from. Was it her husband? Yeah. Maybe? Um, and he put that one down, maybe out of self-preservation on some level, because it could have turned around and gone after him. But he he did something. He did a good deed in that. He se- did. In that scene. And I mean, I think he's a complex character for yeah. that reason. Right. And, you know, even in how they talk about Big James, uh, his brother, uh, Braithwaite is is definitely pretty, pretty um bitter about the things that had happened and it's it, the way that they play this out though i think is is quite um well done oh they teased this, this out right to the end yeah yep um and they do a great job both with just these little hints and i mean braithwaite is definitely playing a bit of cat and mouse um, mm-hmm. with spears and just sort of lets these weird little hints and comments go through. He has this little game that he's been playing, like, oh, you look like a Harry or you look like a this. And Daryl, yeah. And he's just messing with him the entire time. And then, you know, there are really 
there are definitely these like weird moments where they are brothers in arms because they're trying to survive together. But then there's moments where it's like they totally distrust each other and they kind of play this tension off of each other the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Again, I can't say enough about the writing and the editing and the storytelling in this. Um, and here, like you could say, oh, well, they're not they're not writing dialogue because they're not great writers or they're not using dialogue. For this. Well, in this yeah. episode, they did. They and, proved that point here for sure. And it really is incredibly well done. Um, and, you know, they even have this incident where they're going through the woods and there's this kind of, it, it, it's definitely an homage to Blair Witch. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, but thing. they, I mean, the dude even says like, I've seen that movie. Like this looks like yeah. white people shit. I've seen that movie. And you're like, yep, right. okay. I don't want to do that. And they end up in the weird little culty house, which is super creepy and strange. Yeah, it, it, um, it, it's not as bad as it could have been. It could have been worse, but yes, it's it pretty bad. <laughs> At least they were all out except for the one dude. But um. But in any case, like they've they've got these moments where they both seem very much aligned and other moments where it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to kill you. And and it really goes back and forth. That fight, that, I mean, the, the fist fight that they have by the campfire when um, when really Brathwaite's just trying to check the wound, but still Spears has all the all his walls up like, uh, no, you cannot check my wound because that will be vo- me being vulnerable and I can't be vulnerable. Right. Uh, and then they have this fight where they, I don't know if they both get knocked out I don't know, but it's <laughs> or if they're both so drunk that they just pass out after they finish their fight and it, then it's raining that and... going on. I actually thought that there was going to be more of an element um, and how Braithwaite eventually pretends that he realizes who Spears is, is about the nut allergy. And I thought there was going oh. to be a thing where Braithwaite's like drinking the, the alcohol and somehow gives some of the nut, you know, residuals from whatever he's eating onto the bottle and i thought that maybe spears was gonna have a reaction but he does not that's not no. what happens instead they just roll around and fight and i mean the other part of this that is like it's just extraordinarily well crafted because aside from the tension between them which is significant there is also the tension about all the zombies running around there's a lot of zombies in these woods, it turns out. And there is, and it is very, very Blair Witch in how they have them running with the flashlights and you can't see a lot. And there's like a threat out there. Yeah. And you, really you see these like sort of, they let you see what they want you to see. And it's even more stressful for that reason because you can't see the zombies running after them. Like there's this whole sequence of them running through the woods. It's great Foley work here, right? There's a lot of great yelling out in the woods somewhere that you can't see, like you say, very Blair Witch. And our, our perspective is tied to to Brathwaite and and Spears. They what is kind of a little bit maybe disappointing to me it, or maybe it's just like evolution because they've gotten that good is they managed to kill five zombies in the dark with the with the well, they have guns but they lose both. I think they lose both of their guns or or all their ammo by the time they get to the creepy house. But they managed to kill five of these zombies in the dark, which is something that we haven't seen people being able to do in the in the light of day very well. Um and it and it did occur to me that even um, especially on the road and especially the way that this whole episode played out, it did occur to me that maybe Braithwaite is a figment of Spears' imagination, that maybe he is so delirious that he is playing this stuff out in his head. Oh, my. Um, and so that was what I was thinking maybe happening during this, just because it was something so specific. And what are the odds that this person that you supposedly killed and should have been dead came back to life? And is basically taunting you with some of the sins of your past. That's a very like that's a that's a very possible outcome. And so that's what I really thought it was, even up until the very end, especially with the symbolism of the horse, 
um, and all that. Like it very like to me, this felt like maybe it was just. I mean, it's a it's a white horse with skulls tied to the saddle. Right. Like it just felt like that's where we were going. And I don't know that that's not. It might still be. I think you might be on to something there. um, Psychologist A.J. Conrad. Um, You know, so that's that was sort of my take on the episode, just because it's. It could easily be, even when you're hearing the things that Spears is saying, it could easily be a one-sided conversation in your own head or things that he's trying to work through. Um, so I don't know. So we shall see. We but shall. anyway, a really cool episode. Um, um, it, it ends a little bit like it, it, there is a bit of a, a quiet ending here where he does like have the gun up to Brathwaite's head. Like, um, for, I don't, and I'm not really sure what his motivation would have been there that he, okay. So he, he, he was asked to kill this guy by his brother, I assume, and put two bullets in him. And then the job wasn't finished. But why would he feel any need to finish the well, job now? Other than like the sense that maybe Brathwaite is playing some kind of long game. I think that he even in the comment that Brathwaite said, I think he was still worried that Brathwaite might put him down and that there's still a vengeance thing. There's a lot of talk between them about vengeance and what happened yeah. before and Forgiveness. that kind of thing. By and then there is the other part that Brathwaite might have been injured by one of the zombies because he did have something going on with his face. Um, so there yeah. was maybe that sense too, but... Um, I mean, he, he did, yeah, he had a zombie on him in, uh, in the dark in the woods. So potentially, but... But yeah, so I'm kind of interested to see more of their story as uh, as an end. Like, is Spears ever going to, are Spears' son and Rose ever going to get reunited? Um, they're definitely all off doing their own things right now. And that's the next episode kind of shows us what son and Rose are up to. Um, and Mance, apparently, who is <laughs> now a, a character that we are we've definitely seen in almost every episode, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. Should we talk about the, um, the next one? Are you ready to yeah, move on? Let's, let's hop into it. So the next episode is Currency. Um, and this is, there's a few different storylines going on here, two Three, of which right? involve the crates dropped by the plane. And the crates all seem to have different levels of supplies. And um, uh, on this point, the, the crates, I asked a question at the end of our last podcast, after the house fight, what did Nasri get out of out of that, that that salt on the house? He lost all of his dudes. Um, But what I guess he thinks he's gotten was eyes on one of the crates that fell out of the sky. Yeah. Maybe, Um, maybe that was the, yeah. So I'm I'm still a little fuzzy on what, what is driving him. If it's just base survival, why he thinks son is a valuable prisoner. There's still, I still have a lot of questions even after this episode. Right. Um, And, and, you know, both, both sets of people, like, so there's like survivors from Sophie's group out there. There's some of the people like Sam from Nazri's group is there. Yeah. And basically they find one crate and they have it. Sam basically tells them, well, we can take it all, but we just have to bring it up this hill, which by the way, I think is a weird idea because that crate is so flipping heavy. Yeah. Like, I just don't know like that makes sense. Cause I think you yeah. could probably split a lot of that stuff between all of you. Okay. So that's an aside. Yeah. They could, However, they could have cut up the parachute into like three haversacks or something. Stuff. Right? Yeah, and carried carried stuff would, individually uh, because those crates are ridiculously heavy. So I thought this was very strange, but okay, that's what they're gonna do. And they come up with this whole teamwork plan that goes afoul, runs runs afoul pretty quickly. But they're um, the, the, the dynamics, the social dynamics. Back to what you were saying about how weird it is the way people talk to one another. This group, the one that you're describing, where Sam has like got these guys kind of a gunpoint, but then eventually they're all kind of working together. Um, because it's him versus four of the ruffians. Right. Uh, 
they have a weird dynamic even before he shows up. They're like oh, yeah, yelling at the guy with the with the pigtails, like stop complaining, eat some snow. I don't want to hear you complaining. Um, yeah, they're, they're just strange with each other. They're yeah. not nice to one another because I guess that's the, the show is sh- telling us that like yeah, you know, social niceties are are done. Everybody is cruel. Everybody is looking for power and survival from one minute to the next. Right, and so, um, but this crate has a lot of food in it. Um, and medical supplies and things like that. This then, is definitely the better crate. Uh, yeah. And then you've got uh, Nazari, Sophie, and Son, and one of his dudes. I don't know who the guy's name is. Um, and they he's, find another. Yeah, he's crate. not named, but he's a he's a guy who's had a lot of lines. He was like his kind of his lieutenant in the uh, in the house fight. He's definitely running point in terms of like being ahead and stuff like that. And um, the other, and then, you know, so it's basically these two different stories. And then we've got Rose, Anna, and then the man that had been hiding upstairs um, who was supposed to show them to the airport. Um, and so basically all three storylines are about weird group dynamics and people that just the way things are and the lack of trust um, and sort of, and not sort of, but just completely forgetting, like there is the outside threat of the zombies but the threat, the main threat is each other at this point. Um, and we've seen this, I mean, we saw it in the, the two episodes prior with the house episode. Like it's rare enough to have this many survivors and they're all looking for resources. But in this case, it just, the, the other humans become a bigger threat and they're so unpredictable and their mental states are really unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and I think that with the group, um, with Sam and, and the one that are trying to haul the crate, like they get to this point and they're all just like yelling at each other. There's an enormous amount of tension and eventually it's every person for themselves. Um, and there's just like a lot of yelling um, and tension that seems ridiculous. And- there isn't even like a, uh, there isn't like a uh, intention, a bad intent in this one. No. It's, it's the, the two women don't have the upper body strength to do the job that they've been given. And, right. and um I think Mance sees it coming and then that's why he cuts the rope, which leads though to one of his buddies, question mark, getting killed and Sam and they lose the the crate. And when, and then like you see, he looks up and sees the two women running away. Like they've just, they've given, I mean, they, they know that somebody's going to be probably, they expect somebody's either going to be dead or Sam's down there with a rifle and he's going to shoot them. So I think maybe that's they're the right choice, what they gotta do, but they've right? cut, bait like they're they get they get out of that with nothing potentially i mean maybe in the in a future episode we'll see them go back down and and recover some of but that's so much supplies that they have just said guess, Mm-mm. yeah but the other thing that really was troubling me and stressing me out and maybe this was deliberate is like how much they're yelling at each other and how yeah. much noise they're making oh that too um, huge amount of noise and especially if it's winter time and the air is like that and you're in like an outdoor place like that noise carries really far and so if you have this outside threat of zombies running around and they're super keen on hearing, which they seem to be, um, they just kind of come to whatever noise or louder noise happens. This seemed to be just like a bad survival. Again, cut the parachute up into little, make little knapsacks of stuff. It was driving me crazy. I'm like, why are you carrying this stupid grate? Um, and then, of course, it all ends in tears and the thing falls down and we do it, it was pretty, you know, one of Sam is injured horribly and they had to show the special effects like whoever did the, the effects on this did a very good job. Yeah. Um, and then we see almost his ending, but it's pretty 
clear that he's going to get taken out by Pigdale guy. It looks um, hundred. Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't know if he had a compound fracture, but there was a lot of blood. Yeah. yeah there's a combat. The bone is out. It was pretty gory. Um, and then of course, helpfully all the stuff in the crate, it's like medical stuff and food. And it's like all this stuff that is now useless. So it's definitely rubbing the, the faces, the audience face in this, which I thought was like, Oh, you, you meet, you're mean. Yeah. Um, super, but- super dumb. I mean, Sam's Sam's, it was Sam's idea to move the crate. Right. And he's like, look, you can yeah. stuff your pockets and, you know, survive on those MREs for like one or two days, which I think you could probably stretch them out. But still, yeah, it's it's a short term solution or we can get all this stuff out of this valley and then find, you know, figure out a way to use it all or something. And that, that was his pitch, which they were like, OK, let's do it. But yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know that this this crate would still only like support a, a five people or four, five people yeah, for, you know, a couple weeks. Much. Yeah, that much. Um, And then. The other group that we're following is uh, Nazari, Sophie's son. Son's still being like, and the other dude. Um, and son is still with her handcuffs. She like, even having her around like this is somewhat of a liability. I still didn't understand this. Um, She's but- like slow. Nazari's kind of having to pull her. I mean, having to pull a four-year-old girl uh, when you're holding her hand up a hill is already kind of annoying. Um, or at least like, it's very slow having to pull a full grown woman uh, who's exhausted and, you know, kind of out of hope and, and, and just isn't walking as fast as you. I can imagine that right. this is a, this is an expense and energy and effort. I don't understand why they, why they feel like it's worth it. Yeah. And they, you know, so they found the other crate at the same time um, of another group and, you know, there's this whole, the, the normal standoff, um, but this crate just has, it seems to only have weapons or at least that's the only thing I saw. Did you notice there was anything else in there? All I saw was guns and ammo. I think that's yeah, all they showed so, us. So there was that. Um, and what then, are these people in the airplane dropping guns and ammo for? What is, know. is this like a, a weird episode of the purge now? I don't know what's yeah, happening. I don't know. Um, so in any case, these two groups are against each other. Nazari's basically like, you guys can take my scraps. Um, there's a, a bit of a standoff and then we have the zombies rain in and the groups kind of take advantage of each other's vulnerabilities. There's just like a lot of scrabbling back and forth. Um, and they take out the point guy. Um, so it's just Aziri, yeah. Sophie and handcuffed son. And then son ha- as always tries to play peacemaker maker here. And with the tension of the group and with what we've seen, I don't fully believe that they wouldn't have just shot her or that Nazari wouldn't have. Um, so I thought this was kind of odd, but the basic thing I think they're trying to get up across here is that, hey, we're all humans. We should just be friends and we can all take this stuff. I, I guess that semi makes sense. And eventually she just gives the other dude a bag and tells him to go off and Naziri cuts her, cuts her uh, handcuffs and everything off. Um, but she's super injured from the handcuffs. Um, and <laughs> then this group just kind of continues. Sophie and Naziri and son are just going to like walk on. Wander off with more guns. Uh, yeah. So, like, I'm not sure what, again, just don't really know that this totally makes sense. So this is the only part, not only, but it, the, the, the part of the storytelling that I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not sure about this is this sun thing, which again, continues to make me think, is there something that we're missing? There must be this? there. Either there is either. There's something that like a major plot point that we don't understand, or then that's is like the Achilles heel of this episode of this season, yeah, maybe. because it's um, not, it's not clear yet. 
And then lastly, in terms of dysfunctional relationships, we've got Rose, Anna, an upstairs guy. Um, I know he has a name because they put it on screen, but I just don't remember what Have it they? is. Apologies. What? Have they put it on screen? I don't know. But anyway, it's upstairs guy um, is supposedly leading them to the airstrip. It is very cold and they are the light is starting to fade. Um, he there's like, again, that super weird dynamic. Can you trust this person? Can you trust the story? He seems relatively harmless, but he also seems a little crazy. So can you trust, is he a reliable narrative? Is he a reliable person to, to trust and show you the airstrip or is he lying for survival's sake? Rose really doesn't trust anybody. So this is a real uh, study of Rose and Anna and a Anna is often just, she's very silent. She doesn't talk a lot, right? But she's watching her mom a lot and you get a lot of shots of her it's kind of like not even a reaction shot. It's just her kind of like giving a flat stare at, at Rose from behind or something. Uh, like after they took down um, Sonny and mom two episodes ago, Rose was the one like hyperventilating, breathing, uh, drinking whiskey. And, and Anna was just kind of looking at her kind of like nope, not breathing very hard, just kind of like taking it in, but, but studying her mom. And there's more of that going on here because Rose is kind of losing her temper. She's, kind of going momish on this and i don't mean like that she's a mother but like sunny's mom she's coming up with conspiracy theories about this guy and uh, oh you're leading us out here to for all of us to die together and like what that doesn't make any sense Rose. i mean Come admittedly on. the guy is doing some weird stuff and basically admits that he's taking them not to the airstrip but to this he's being too secretive he's yeah. being secretive um so you can see from rose's point of view where the end point could be that he's leading them into a trap um, that he's just trying to survive. Uh, and she is very ready to cut her losses. Um, there's also an interesting thing where at, at any point when he addresses Anna, she's like, no, you don't talk to my daughter. Like that's very much. And it's a little bit of what we were seeing with Freddie, um, her protective nature kicking in, which yeah. you can understand in this world. Why it just that feels like it's going a little here. overboard in this episode. Yeah. And that Rose um, and that Anna is also a little bit like, uh, mom, I think you're losing it. I, yeah, I thought there was a chance that Anna was actually going to kill Rose. I did too, actually. Um, and that was kind of maybe there. Um, but then ultimately the crisis is semi-averted because she, Anna is able to convince Rose to just let off and lets the guy, I mean, that's the other thing. Do you follow this guy? He seems to be very lost. He's like, Oh, I know it's here somewhere, you know, like, they're and, completely lost. And he says and he has an idea and he does admit like, Oh, it's a ski lodge is what I'm looking for eventually. Right. Um, but, but what they find to, at the very end of this episode, it's not look like a sea lodge to me. It's like a lakeside. It looks house. like hotel overlook is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Like that's yeah. exactly the vibe I was getting. It's um, pretty big. It's pretty big place. He says it's got power and all the supplies and everything. Uh, we, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We don't get inside. I mean, and we should also mention Brathwaite has meant, has said to Spears that he has a cabin uh, that he knows how to get to. Oh, wait. On the lake. He so does say that same. there's a lake. It can't be the same place. That thing is huge. Yeah, that isn't a cabin. Or That's a mansion. It's it's like, no, it's not even that. It looks like a whole resort. Yeah, uh, it's multiple buildings. But, and uh, I thought it we'll was, see. again, inter so the, we see the last scene of them, like, sort of, and it's very snowy. It's starting to get dark. It's definitely freezing. Um, and, you know, upstairs guys making a lot of noise going, like, running towards it. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably be a little cautious because the last time y'all approached a place, like, this is 
this could be hiding zombies and he's like nobody knows about it well it's huge somebody knows about that thing yeah um so i don't know i just thought it was like i probably would have been approaching that thing with a little more caution than they seem to be (laughs) so i don't know so we shall see um and again i desperately wanted to push play on the next episode but i did not even though it was very difficult well there's (laughs) two two more to go um and so we will we'll find out more uh with the next wait where are we the next two episodes are the lodge and then the plane are and that'll that'll take us to the end of the season so that sounds about right considering the (laughs) the major plot that we know about is they're sleeping probably in this lodge and then they're going to try and find that plane Uh, i think we have a sense of where this is going but not at all at the same time Uh, we will i assume get some sort of collision of uh sun Spears and Rose, and I really look forward to how that's going to go, and if Rose is going to kill more of the people that she cares about. Yep. Um, so we shall see. Um, anyway, uh, anything else to add? I think that's about it for these ones. Uh, they were, they were good. There, I mean, yeah. The the currency episode is is kind of bleak. Sun, of course, uh, like m- manages somehow to penetrate through all of that negativity. And when the bearded guy who shot the unnamed operator leaves, he's like, good luck to you. And good luck to you too, to Nasri. Let's get out of here. Like, I don't know. He went from being a guy who murdered someone to then saying like, good luck and see a neighbor. I don't know. Like it wasn't, it wasn't quite a complete 180, but she somehow made this huge breakthrough. And I am like, I like that the show is, is working on that um, storyline or that, that thread because otherwise you know, it, it, it will be to one note. And and so I think it's really important that you do have somebody who's out there trying to, to change the way things are going. Right. Whether it so, works in the long run, we'll see. We shall see. Um, but in any case, I'm, I'm already mourning the end of this. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> see what, we'll see what happens. Um, but definitely, if you have not yet watched uh, Black Summer season two start, it is really fantastically well done. I have been thoroughly enjoying it and I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Um, and if you have any thoughts on it or on the thoughts on the episode up until this point, feel free to shoot us an email, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com, uh, reanimatedpcast on the Twitters, or reanimatedpodcast.com. Uh, dot com is the the main site and you can leave it in the show in the notes there until next time ciao and thanks for listening all righty bye now